good whatever time of day it is you are listening to us. This and whatever day you happen to be listening And to whatever us. day, too. Let's uh, add that in there. This is the PNA, PNA Express Podcast. Podcast Express. Thank you. This is the quick but this is the express version of the podcast express. <laughs> this is the express version. This is the quick trip, as we like to call it. This is episode seven R four nine or nine or three two one. At symbol asterisk slash. He's Adam Filkins. I'm Phil Nickel. We're bringing you a quick trip here on the PNA Podcast Express. You can also email us at. Pablo Nancy Alcatraz PNA Express Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast Express. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I keep screwing that up. We talked about that last one. So PNA Podcast Express at yes. gmail.com. Thank you. It's inverse alphabetical for Podcast <laughs> Express. It is. Oh, it's going the wrong direction. So this is the quick trip, as we like to call it, where we don't talk to you nearly as long. That we talk to you more um, intensely and about things. Equally about nothing, though. Oh, like absolutely. The, the actual value that you will get out of this quick trip is the same as our normal, like, 45-minute to an hour podcast. Oh, yeah, 45. <laughs> 40, when has a podcast ever been 45 minutes with us? I think our first one was, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> I think you are absolutely And we were amazed that. we went that long. But you and I could talk. <sighs> Well, we, uh, we kind of get riffing, and uh, last podcast, uh, last episode, which was amazing, we talked about Christmas music, we talked about what grinds our gears, we talked about, uh, well, Adam admitted that he's a dick and here's why, Yeah. as a friend, and I kind of bared my soul a little bit more than I normally do on the last PNA Podcast Express episode. Here it we are. It, it was healing. It was very healing. healing. It was therapeutic. Very therapeutic. So this just popped into my head as, you're, head. as you're talking about the last episode and everything and and all that kind of fun stuff. I, I'm sitting here thinking, we've talked about like the best gift you got and things like right. that. What's the one thing? Because we probably should be holiday themed from here yeah, on out, right? Yeah, of course. A little more holiday ee, especially since this is one week. Before Christmas Eve, one week from this release of this podcast will be Christmas Eve. I'm going to talk about the things that bother me okay. about the holiday season. Go ahead. I I have a huge axe to grind with this one. But so, people who put out like three strands of lights and think that that is okay, like outside like you're just of their to- house? like totally phoning in right. three strands of light on the outside of the house. <laughs> You know, I'm going to put minimal effort in, maybe put one blow-up thing out there in a strand of lights. It drives me crazy. Why bother? I do zero. I don't put any outside. Well, I used to. The years I was married, I, I decorated the house to the nines, and now that it's just me, uh, I don't decorate outside. I might let the kids this weekend hang up some lights, but uh, I don't even have a Christmas tree up in my house. Um, I am rather, well, I'm bahumbic. Bahumbugish, bahumbugish about the holidays. Bahumbug. I haven't heard that term before, but because, I, I, I know where you're coming from. Because uh, they're not great times for me personally. My birthday's two days after Christmas, and, uh, well, you know, I admire Jesus for being born on that day, but my birthday should have been further away from his. Yeah, well, historically it is. Yeah. But... <laughs> Celebratory, <laughs> it is right there with I, it. I like that. I like that. It's kind of like I was asked, uh, well, uh, what day is your birthday? And they're like, what year? I'm like, every year. I mean, <laughs> shit. It's, it's not a complicated formula. But doesn't it bother you? Some people that are like, you know, I'm just oh, going to yeah. ca- I'm gonna phone this in. I'm going to do minimal yeah. effort. You know, and it's like, yeah, why did you bother? You're right. But, well, yeah. I would rather I see people put out nothing than right. to put so little effort in that, it at least should cause you some time to clean up and put the lights away at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. That was always the, uh, that's always the event there, too, when you get to take them down. I mean, putting them up is a big event because you want everything to look just so-so. Taking them down, the opposite. You just grab a strand and just give it a good yank and hear the, I used to use those clips that go underneath your siding or whatever, and just hear them go. Yeah, well, the big thing for me was, I put the lights up when when I have put lights outside, um, which I did this year, which was an epic fail. Ugh. Um, we're not even talk about that. that's a whole nother. <laughs> that's episode. a whole nother ball of wax. Um, 
probably will talk about that sometime in June. But uh, <laughs> when I put lights out, the whole goal is, you know, you put the lights out, you yeah. you look at it, you enjoy it. A couple of days after Christmas, you turn them off. And then when the weather breaks, you take them down and you throw the lights in a fire because they're pretty when you burn them. <laughs> they are. They are. They, they have that little... Uh, all the color yeah, things that go on and happen, very bright, you know, very vibrant. It's that is a ritual for the first bonfire of the year. <laughs> Throw the lights in. Yep. You just f it. We're gonna go buy new ones. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna keep track of those for months. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> See, let's face it. I was always the guy that I meticulously like made cardboard templates to wrap them up every year. Oh man, everybody hates you. <sighs> That's why I don't do it anymore. Well, that, that's a good because thing. Because I spent so many years being like uber disciplined that when I finally got let off the chain of having to do it or the, you know, I, you know, essentially take away this ball and chain as uh, social distortion would say, um, I said, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. And honestly, all of the Christmas lights I currently have in my possession are crumpled together in two different five-gallon buckets in my basement right now. Well... Probably you know, should just throw them in a fire, like you said. I gotta admit, I, I used cardboard too yeah. in the storage of my lights, generally to ignite them. But <laughs> I, I light them on fire. Yeah, I did use cardboard as well. But and and I mean, we're not talking about a lot. I did not harm a lot of lights in my lifetime. We we live out in the middle of nowhere where nobody really sees where we're at. The lights we put up are just for us. So yeah, it. Uh, my efforts were minimal. Here's what I want everybody to do that's out there listening. Take a picture of your light display outside or your lack of light display, either or, or your pedestrian effort. If you only put up two or three strands, send it to our email. Pablo. Nancy. Nancy. Acrobat. Acrobat. Podcast Express at gmail.com. Yeah, send it to us. Send us the photos of your your outside display. We want to know kind of what we're dealing with here. Uh, I'd like to know more of the type of fans we're dealing with that would respond to us and see what kind of displays they'd put up. Because I appreciate the effort. I, I definitely do. I appreciate the lack of effort, too, though, on the other hand, because honestly, in my uh, kind of midlife crisis here, I've become uh, rather lazy with things. And uh, I don't mind. You know, you have to own it. You have to buy it. And sometimes you have to wonder, what are my energies better spent doing? Well, you know... Yeah, I, if you if you send us a, a effort where you really phoned it in and you've got one hastily thrown up strand of lights on a on a shrub or something like that, you are going to be ridiculed. Of course, but and we'll it, mention you in the podcast. It, it will be fun. Of you know, course, you you we will always make it fun. You will enjoy the ridicule, where you can't say that about every every media outlet that ridicules you. So here we go. So my buddy's a dick, and here's why. My buddy's a dick, and here's why. When I lived with my buddy in college, we always put out Christmas lights because we were those people. So one year he decided, he looked at how the engineer and me was meticulous about everything. He decided to go ahead and disconnect, partially disconnect a bulb about every three to seven and every single strand of lights we had when we were taking them down on the way out. So the next year... We went to put them up because we still lived together. And, of course, none of them worked. And I just got tired of it. And I said, you know what? Christmas is canceled this year. And my buddy's a dick because he admitted that later that that's what he had done. And I said, well, you can redeem yourself from your whole asshole admission dickness from here if you were to fix the lights. And he refused. So instead, I basically put them in his bed one night when he was out drinking all of the strands of lights. So he came home drunk and laid in a bed of strands of lights. Dark bed. Yes, of dark. Strands yes. Of oh, I did. I took his bulb out. Of, took his light bulb out of his his picture nice. too. So I, I had the foresight to do that because I knew he'd hit the light switch and just figure, ah, oh, my light bulb burned out. And he actually hopped in his bed, and um, it was just him, a horse head, and a bunch of strands of lights. Fantastic. Yeah. So you know, yeah, we were. We're both on the same page there, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. 
I do want to bring up, we did have a piece of fan mail come through, and I, I, I forgot to bring this up because we don't plan anything and <laughs> we right. don't write anything we down. We never plan anything. We are the worst planners on the face of the earth. And we're not used to fan mail, but we did have a fan <laughs> bring up. We're not used to fan mail. I like it. We, we did have a fan bring up something that really, really does grind my gears and, and really bothers me. All right. What do you, grind the sex. Let's hear it. Why do most stall doors in a bathroom, men's or women's, open in that i cannot answer but in is just especially if you're not um a skinny person like and neither you or i are any anybody you know you've got to like straddle the the toilet and open the door and try and go out it's it's like an own own, your own personal rodeo with the bowl just to straddle this thing and try to get that thing closed I've I liken it before. to like the the gymnast on the pummel horse. Yeah, you're kind of like putting your yeah. I'm doing the motion here, but yeah. yeah. And, and people wonder why if you're alone in a bathroom, why you go to the handicap stall. There is no wonder because you just don't want to deal with that. Because that is the Cadillac of the pooping stalls. It's yeah, been, it's been said before. I, I forget several comedians attribute that to, but yeah. Um, I don't know why they give you such little space. And for years, I wondered why the big gap underneath the stalls were, but of course, that's for sanitation purposes, for cleaning. Sanitation, and if somebody happens to uh, expire on the toilet, they're much easier to get out. (laughs) All right, let's talk about this for a minute now. If you go Elvis on the toilet, you know. (laughs) So this must be... This must be a common thing. If the fact of the matter is they, that's part of the design of everything they want to do. Think about this. You're an engineer, and I'm going to answer this question for you, and you're going to go, yeah, that's the way I would have done it. (laughs) So... You're designing a stall. Yes. And you're like, well, I better leave a two-foot gap because I'm going to make that door open in. And when somebody, like, leans forward dead <laughs> against it, we're not going to be able to open it. So I better leave that two-foot gap so I can still make the door open in. <laughs> it won't make it any more comfortable for anybody trying to get out of the stall. Okay. But it will serve a purpose when we try and pull that body out of there. <sighs> Tell me as an engineer that that wouldn't go, you wouldn't go, yeah. Yeah, that, that, makes, that sense. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Guys are assholes. What assholes. So that reminds me of, of an episode, episodes past. We talked about the door being locked and somebody knocking on it. Yeah. One of my other friends, he's an asshole, and here's why. He used to always like to ghost lock stalls. He would, <laughs> he would lock a stall in a bathroom and then crawl out that little gap, as you said. Yeah. And that way the stall. The dead man's crawl. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We call that, so you tied this all in. It took a few episodes, but yes, the dead man's crawl, where he would go in and ghost lock the stall. So, of course, maybe that's what bred the contempt of why people not only check the latch and then knock, but also knock and then check the latch. Have you ever had anybody knock on the stall, though? (sighs) Yes. Yes, I have. I I don't think I have. (laughs) You know, I'm not not much for a, uh, a public stall user. Right. But... It, it, I, I've never had anybody knock on the stall door, I think. I have, I have, and uh, I didn't know why because my feet were clearly visible. It's not like I was trying to hide them. I wasn't, right. I wasn't tucked into fetal position while sitting on the can. But uh, I, I guess some people just don't take rejection well, so they have to know if it's truly happening, so they decided they're going to knock too. I mean, the door's not only locked and closed, I better knock just to make sure these people truly don't want me in there with them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, I guess this brings me to my next point about bathroom stalls is All right. the locks only keep the good people out. <laughs> they keep the good people out. Well, think about it. You, you go into that stall, and if you're on the outside, like your friend that like ghost locked them, anybody right. can lock it with a quarter or a dime or something because they have that little slot on the outside right, right. that you stick something like that. It's not like it's a high-security facility, but when you think about the actions that go on, it should be. You know, it should be high security. It should absolutely be high security, which reminds me of, uh, I actually worked in certification when I worked at a, a large aerospace company for bathrooms, laboratories on airplanes, and they have a way that you can flip up a little placard and there's an emergency unlock for the bathroom door too. So oh, dang. I can show you that. I can actually unlock pretty much any laboratory on any airplane from outside because I know... I'm not sure exactly how that talent can benefit us. I don't think it'll benefit us, but I just want people to know that I have that talent because who knows? It may come in handy someday. But you didn't design the actual lavatories? Well, I I was part of that, but I was also part of the certification with the uh, FAA. And I knew that that I had part of 
my certification was making sure that lock, that failsafe worked so that, the, you know, the aircraft stewardesses or whatever. So you, as an aircraft bathroom designer, yeah. have the audacity to say that they build the stalls too small, <laughs> like in a store bathroom. Yes, absolutely. And that's you by design. You son of a bitch. You know, um, part of it is, is uh, just the humor of the whole aircraft. You want to know that people are struggling. Um, where this came to bite me in the ass, though, is when I had my son, and we flew cross-country from Seattle back to Michigan. And he, of course, whenever we flew with our kids, for some reason, they would just make diapers explode. I don't know if it's the pressurized cabin, whatever. They're sensitive when they're, you know, baby, yeah. six months old. And I remember my son had just, I mean, it went from stem to stern. It was from his, his bottom all the way up to his neck. And I'm in a bathroom stall, this little bathroom, in flight, trying to change him. And we hit turbulence. And, of course, my head's bouncing off of things, and I'm trying to protect him because he's a little six-month-old baby. And it was, it was a matter of, of baby explosive feces and everything everywhere. But I got it cleaned up. I was in there for a, an unusual amount of time. By that, it felt like an hour inside, but it was probably more like ten minutes. But uh, just trying to clean all this up. And that's when I cursed myself because I said, you're part of the problem, Phil, here. Because you work on designing and certifying these things. That's why I no longer work in aerospace, honestly. You actually just really uncovered something very deep about me. Yeah, the fact well, that I, ha I was, my son was crying as a baby, had shit all over, I had shit all over, and I'm in turbulence in an aircraft. 737 bathroom, trying to make the best of this situation. That's why I, I'm now a podcaster. Well, you know, I think you do better at this than you do at designing airplane bathrooms. <laughs> I can attest to that because you know what? Not a lot of shit here. A lot of shit there. Yeah. Yeah. We've cleaned up. Well, we still have our fair share of shit to clean up. <laughs> let's, let, let's be honest. But at least it's not all over you at 35,000 feet. It was, it was horrendous. I mean, the look of terror on my face as I exited that laboratory, um, the flight attendant saw me, and she's just like, oh, sugar, what just happened? <laughs> and she, I remember her words, sugar, what just happened? I'm like, it's under control now. I think it's cleaned up okay in there, but you might want to step in there and take a peek. I'm sorry I did my best. She's like, sugar, no problem. Go back to your seat. I'll bring you something to drink. Dang. Yeah. And then I got back, and my, my ex-wife was like, Jesus Christ, you were gone a long time. And I'm like, what the f <laughs> We Yeah, I was, uh, I was perusing the plane. I'm like, yeah, know. I was just, you know, I was having the greatest, grandest time ever I possibly could while I was not in your presence. I'm covered in shit with a mild concussion. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed myself. I forgot the letter T, but no, it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which leg of the flight we're on. Are we going yeah. to or coming from? Are we in Mexico yet? I mean, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th th that's, that's a little bite of the married life. But yeah, that my son just, oh, that was, that was horrendous. That's how I knew. That's how I knew I wasn't fighting the good fight, though. That's how yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It, so, sometimes a man has a, a moment of self-realization, and that was it. When I was almost concussed, covered in baby shit, and trying to do my best in this small little space that I was given, 35,000 feet in the air, heading, you know, 500 miles per hour, headed east. So to equate it to something, you know, you were kind of like the, you kind of felt like the executioner back in, like, King Henry days where you, you're like, <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't chop people's heads off at the whim of a monarch. And you kind of felt had that same realization. The same way, the same way. I realized that if... Uh, if you float and a stone doesn't, you're probably okay. Yeah. 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 That, that's pretty deep, actually, when you're talking about just yeah. shit in an airplane. So that's, uh, that's how I joined the Mile High Shit Club right there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think there's people clamoring for that one. I don't think there is either. But, you know, there's probably a specific sect of people out there that are. Oh, Because there are, I mean, there's a fetish for everybody out there, man. I'm sure there's somebody out there who is episode two filling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> this is what's pasted up on their shower wall right now. <laughs> you know, I, I, 
Yeah, you'd have to listen to that episode, which not a lot of people have. So that's a really inside joke. And I've been told people... by one of my really good friends, Melanie, out there that don't push that episode. Don't. don't yeah, oh, we're not. We're not. But we're it's not. part of our oral history at this point. It though. is. You know, don't judge us by that episode. If that was the first episode you listened to, it gets better. <laughs> if that's the first episode you listened to, you're probably not listening to this episode. No, no, probably not. But. You know, I think for you it was therapeutic. It was. It was. I needed to get that off of my chest and uh, throw and it, it out there to the world. It is out there now to the world forever for them to listen to or probably not listen to. What's amazing is, has the word of mouth of that episode traveled so fast? Because it is our lowest listened to episode <laughs> by a lot. You know, <laughs> there, this there, episode hasn't been released yet and it has more listeners. This, uh, this episode is more highly rated already. I think a lot of it is is people don't want to face their own mortality or the fact that they masturbate. So um, hearing somebody else um, describe in detail a very tragic masturbation story. Um, a, near, a near death masturbation. <laughs> near death as well as a, a family member witnessing them in that fetal position so vulnerable when they were just trying to have a moment of happiness, I think really doesn't appeal to a lot of people because it has all the highs and lows of... Uh, Old Yeller? Basically, it's the Citizen Kane of podcast. Yeah, it, it does have... It carries a certain... It's like the Empire Strikes Back. There's no winner. Right. You know, the good guys don't win It's, it's in that mutually podcast. exclusive destruction right there. Yeah. So I think we've delved into that Mutually enough. Mutually assured destruction. If we have piqued your interest in that uh, episode, I apologize ahead of time. And, just don't uh, listen to it. Just yeah, listen to this one. Just listen to this one twice. So, uh, yeah, we, we've we've beat that dead horse. This is the last I will mention episode two. I will mention it three more times, and I will strategically pick those three times. Anywhere between now and episode infinity. Fantastic. Yes. I, I hope it's in I hope that it's into the hundreds. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay low a little bit on it. Yeah. This is our quick trip. Where are we at? Are we about done with we our are, quick trip? We are we have we are rounding into the station right now. I, I, I really saw the light flashing in the background telling us we need to get off stage pretty soon here. Yeah. So to round things out Yes, I, I'm aware and I was part of the problem that airplane bathrooms are too small. We will definitely get hate mail at pnapodcastexpress at gmail.com for that. I can only hope so. And if you have friends who are equally pissed off as I am about how airplane, airplane bathrooms are designed, share this podcast with them. Yeah, just let them know that uh, it, it cost somebody a very lucrative uh, job because they decided they could no longer do it. Like, I couldn't. I couldn't. It, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. I was part of the problem. I clearly saw that. All it took was a very shitty situation with my son, whom I love very much, and that's it. Now here we are. Yeah. You're listening to our PNA Podcast Express. It, it has brought you full circle. We've come full circle, my friend. It's time to wrap this up. He's Adam Filkins. I'm Phil Nickel. You've listened to the PNA Podcast Express Quick Trip, episode two of the Quick Trip. Yes. yes. I will give a, an official one on that. Make good choices.